Welcome to the Healing My Parts podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating and raising awareness about dissociative identity disorder, also known as DID. We are your hosts, the system behind Healing My Parts, which also includes parts that function as a therapist and leader in a mental health niche space. We'll be sharing tips and tools that have helped us and many others, while also sharing insights from our own journey of living with the condition. We'll also be hosting guests for conversations to help educate, dispel myths, and most especially help those living with dissociative identities and professionals who treat the condition. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now, let's get healing. Welcome to episode two. We are your host, the system behind Healing My Parts, which includes parts that function together as a therapist and leader in a mental health niche space. We wanted to start by saying thank you so very much for joining us for episode one. It was just so exciting for us to be able to finally launch a project that we feel really passionate about and that we've been thinking about doing for a while. So thank you again for joining us for that. And thank you for joining us now. Little caveat, we are still recovering from a particularly gnarly bout of COVID, so there may be a few COVID brain moments on top of system brain moments coming up in this episode. Just fair warning. Also, thank you to the people that sent in some suggestions for content. We got quite a few that were asking about getting more information on system communication, internal communication because it is something that is relevant to everyone who is a system. It is one of our favorite topics, and we felt like, what better episode to start tackling that with than episode two? So let's dive into that today. So we figured we would start with the stuff or the things that we kind of wish that we knew way earlier. I mean, beyond the whole like denial isn't helpful thing that we covered in episode one. It's kind of like, you know, when it comes to communication, where do you actually start? And certainly what we didn't realize was the most important place to start is actually making sure that you have some really good things for soothing and calming and anchoring in place. And I totally feel like that gets a whole bunch of eye rolls because it feels like such a therapisty thing to say. But they really are actually important. And I it makes sense, right? I'm sure plenty of you are like, well, why do you need that? It's because honestly, not all the communication that you are going to have with your alters is going to be easy. Some of the things that they're going to tell you and that you're going to talk about are hard to hear and they're hard to sit with. There are parts that yell a lot. I mean, I know that I certainly had to hold space for a part that had a lot of really straight up mean, unkind things to say to me about me. And I had to really be able to hold space for that part. That part had to learn that it could trust me, that I would be there for all of it. And I had to sort of prove that. At some point, memories are going to come up. Parts are going to share them with you when you get to that point, And they're not going to always be easy, if ever. So taking care of yourself through those moments is really, really important. And having even just two or three kind of go-to mechanisms that help you soothe and anchor can make all the difference in the world. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be something like ocean breathing, if that works for you. 
Lots of people like the butterfly hug. There have been times in our own journey where 54321 was instrumental in getting our frontal cortex back online, regardless of how dissociated we were. I mean, you can always tell, right, when you're like not at all grounded or in the present moment because it's such a struggle to remember the five things that you saw. For us, we discovered that in order to really do 54321 in a way that worked, we couldn't just do five things we saw, four things we heard, three things we could touch, two things we could smell, and one thing that we could taste and just like whip through them. We had to do, we had to keep going back to the beginning and starting over. So naming the five things we saw, listing the four things we heard, going back and renaming the exact same five things we saw, naming the four things we heard, and then adding on the three things we could touch, going all the way back to the, th- the five things that we could see and four things we could hear. And it was a struggle, right? Every time we had to go back to the five things we saw to remember it, but that very activity is literally what got the frontal cortex of our brain back online. That's the thinking part of the brain. And that's what brought us into the present moment. So it's annoying, but for us, it's a skill that actually works really well when dissociation is getting in the way. And then when it comes to things like calming, personally, I find ocean breath to be really soothing. We have a lot of different things that we do, even just going outside, going for a walk, being in nature, Love walking my dog in the woods, especially if there's a river nearby or in the mountains. So find those things that work for you and practice them so that they actually work when you need them. One of the biggest mistakes people make, uh, yours truly included back in the day, is learning these skills kind of by like rote memorization, you know, but never practicing them (laughs) until I actually needed them. And then they don't work because I'm not good at doing them because I haven't practiced them. So using them again and again when you don't need them is what ensures that they work when you do need them. I really wish somebody had told me that about, I don't know, 30 years ago, but nobody did. So I'm telling you now, and maybe I'll save you a whole bunch of time. So that is really like the very first step, believe it or not, in getting communication in place. Because again, parts have to trust you to be able to take care of you and the body. They're going to help you, but still. The other or another really important step is being clear that you actually really do want communication. So I'm sure there are plenty of people going, what are you talking about? Like, obviously we want communication. That's why we asked for it. You know, I already said that it's not all pleasant, right? And you have to really think about the question, do you really want them to answer? Because when they do answer, it may feel kind of shocking and surreal because number one, it's validating. It means that this is real. You're not making it up. You're not just being creative, that this diagnosis is a real thing. And that can feel... Like it rocks your world when it happens. You have to also be open to anything at all that they have to say. That doesn't mean that you can't set limits and say things like, you know, right now I really can't manage or handle any graphic memories about X, Y, or Z or whatever. You can absolutely put some parameters around things. But, 
you have to literally be open to whatever it is that they have to say to you and you don't know what that's going to be. You also have to think about if you're ambivalent about communication, right? Like you only want them to tell you the good stuff, let's just say, or you just want to have quote unquote fun conversations with them. But deep down, you kind of really don't want to know stuff. They're not going to talk to you. They're not going to communicate with you. I mean, think about it for yourself, right? If you're in a situation and somebody comes up to you and invites you into a relationship with them and they say like, I mean, hey, you seem like a really cool person. I want to get to know you. Like, let's hang out. And while they're doing that, they're kind of like giving you the stink eye, looking you up and down, acting a little weird, or whenever you talk, they're looking away. They're not really paying attention to you. They're giving you these mixed signals. You don't really want to engage with them either. Parts are really no different. They're always listening and they're going to know that you kind of don't really want to get to know them, even though verbally or maybe in writing, you're saying that you do. So you have to make sure that when you say, I want to communicate with you and I want to build a relationship with you, that you really mean it. And, you know, back in the day, I can say that was not something that I really sort of understood. And I wish I did. So I'm sharing that with you. Once you work through all of that, you know, and you've got your sort of calming, soothing, anchoring skills in place, and you're like, you know what, I'm I'm here for it. I'm down for it. I think I can hold space for pretty much anything. I am open to whatever it is that they want to share with me. Then you have to honestly commit to actually being consistent with communication and showing up. So once you initiate the communication, you can't just show up whenever the spirit moves you. You literally have to show up every day and better yet, multiple times a day. It's all part of developing trust. They have to trust you and you have to trust them. And the only way to do that is by being consistent and committed. If you start communication before you're willing to commit, it's going to be bumpy. You know, if you show up sometimes and not other times, what you're showing them is you're unreliable and you're going to want them to be reliable, but you're not being reliable back. So it, it really is a two-way street. And be patient. Like this is not a fast process. I wish it was. Every now and then, I, you know, I'll meet somebody and they'll say, oh yeah, you know, when I tuned into my parts, I had no problem talking to them and that's amazing. But I don't know that that is the experience for many people. It certainly was not the experience for us. It is also really important to understand and embrace the fact that communication from parts comes in all different forms. It's not all just verbal. I think sometimes, or I know sometimes, certainly when I'm talking to clients or when people are talking to me asking questions, they expect that internal communication is all just conversation, like verbal conversation. And it's not. It's just not. So yes, of course, for many of us, there are voices in the headspace, conversations happening in the headspace. But there are also ways that parts communicate with us all the time, and we don't even consider it to be communication. So for example, if you're somebody who experiences changes in your handwriting 
that's indicative of parts being present. So in our system, there are distinct handwriting changes. I've had that throughout my entire life. Never knew what it meant. Um, now I do. And at this point, you can actually see whole conversations between different parts and the handwriting changes as parts change in the conversation and you can actually follow it. But it took a while to understand and to get there, you know. It's definitely not something that just happens overnight by any means. So besides that, you may hear crying in the headspace. That's a part also communicating. You might feel like you're feeling somebody else's feelings. Those feelings belong to an altar. That is a way that they're communicating. They're letting you know how they feel when that happens. You might see images. You might see images of parts. They're showing themselves to you. Acknowledge them when that happens. You might sense or feel them near you. You might suddenly sense or feel a little. You might suddenly sense or feel a grumpy kind of moody teen. You might find drawings or uh, in other cases, sometimes you might feel like your hand just needs to sort of draw. It just starts moving across the page and a picture comes out even though you can't draw anything. We've certainly had that experience. And when you look at the picture, there can be a lot of communication that is held within that picture, even if the picture is abstract. There might be abstract colors or there might be eyes or flowers or petals, then they're all apart or whatever, but there can be messages that are hidden inside those drawings and parts that are nonverbal will often gravitate towards drawing as a method or mechanism of communication. And you might look at it and be like, oh, this is really cool. I have a part that draws, but many times there's communication within that drawing. It's just important to look at it that way and look at it through a lens of curiosity to begin to understand what messages are in the drawing for you. You might have the urge to just do something or feel compelled to do something that you don't understand. And that can also be something, it's like this strong passive influence from a part, but that's also a form of communication. So there was a time when inexplicably I had this very strong, like out of nowhere urge to go buy a bunch of art supplies. And when I say I can't draw a stick figure, I mean it, but we have other parts in the system that can draw some things. So it was like this repetitive, you know, inexplicable, very strong urge to go by literally drawing pencils, charcoal pencils, artist erasers, Prismacolor pencils, and some other art supplies. And then, you know, as soon as I finally relented, those very strong urges that had been plaguing me for like three weeks went away. And suddenly there are drawings that are appearing. Or maybe it's this really strong desire to go have a certain treat. We definitely have littles in our system that have things that they really love that I don't particularly care for, but they really like. And whenever there is a very strong desire, there is a little part that is communicating through that desire. And it is certainly something that she wants, happy to give it to her. It's a very easy request to honor but that is a form of communication. She's telling me that there's something that she needs and that she wants. And she might need to celebrate. She might need soothing. She might just need a little kid joy. But it's still a communication and a request. You also might be somebody that is living as part of a system where there is so much time loss that you don't have the awareness of these kinds of things, right? And so 
you might just find evidence that they've been around. You might spend a lot of time feeling blendy or Swiss cheesy. That's my term for like being in and out. When you find evidence that they've been around, you can also look at that evidence and see if there's any communication in there for you. Understanding that all of those different things and more, uh, there are plenty that I'm not thinking of right now, but those are all ways of communication. Once you understand that communication is not just verbal and not just the written word, it's time to really build awareness. So your awareness has to come before the back and forth communication is really going to take place with any effectiveness. It's important to start practicing listening inside and doing things like leaving sticky notes around to remind yourself to look inside, to remind yourself to feel around for them. So in full disclosure, on our laptop, I had for a period of time, it's probably still one there actually, uh, just a little tab sticky note that just said, check in with parts. And it was the visual cue to look inside, to see who's there, to ask around, to feel, to take a moment. Because honestly, dissociation is disconnect, right? It is separation. And that's how we've survived our life. So being cohesive is a foreign state of being for me. That is not how I was able to survive everything that I lived through. Same for all of you who are systems. It is the lack of awareness that allows us to get through the day. You know, for example, you couldn't be a kid in school doing well if while you were in school, you were aware of all of the stuff that happened outside of school. It's not a possibility. So when you're used to separation, it's like you have to untrain yourself or you and train yourself to be more aware of what's happening internally. And frankly, so many of us are afraid of our internal experience. We've run from it our whole life. Like, I don't want to know what that part has to say. I don't want to know what happened if I can't remember everything. And I, you know, the stuff I do remember, I don't even want to know. Um, I don't want to be subject to PTSD kinds of symptoms. There are so many reasons to sort of run, right? But what communication begs us to do is to turn face and lean in, even when we're scared, even into the unknown, even into the uncomfortable, and just notice and acknowledge that they're there. Pay attention. That, all of that I've just said up until now can take a really long time to do well, or to do it all, never mind well, and forget about mastering. It can take quite a bit of time. But once you kind of work through this. And even once you have like some awareness that parts are around and you have your skill sets that you can kind of fall back on or things that soothe you and you feel like you're aware of different types of communication, then it's time to really extend the invitation, right? And you can do that in a couple of different ways. If you don't have much communication and you still don't have a lot of awareness, leave sticky notes out for your parts. And invite them to look inside your journal where you're going to leave notes for them. If you have a whiteboard, you can write the invitation on the whiteboard asking them to look in the journal where you're going to leave notes for them. You can just literally ask inside your headspace, write it in the journal. 
and just give the invitation. Say things like, I really want to get to know you. I really don't know enough about you. I know that we survived because of all of you. And I really would like to have a relationship with you and tell them something about you. Tell them what you like, tell them what your hopes are, tell them what your dreams are, and then ask them questions about themselves and give them space to answer. Ask them to write back to you in the journal. A lot of times that is a really great place for people to start, but you have to be really patient because the answer may come in minutes, it may come in days, it may come in weeks, it may come in months. And while you're waiting, you're going to continue building awareness, keep showing up, follow through with that commitment, keep extending the invitation because eventually it's going to happen. They're going to answer. You're going to hear it in either the headspace verbally, you're going to find a drawing that has an answer to what you've asked, or you're going to find writing that answers whatever it was that you asked. You're going to find them starting to tell themselves about you, and you may hear some things you don't want to hear. As we said earlier on, which we absolutely had a part that was really angry with us for honestly good reasons. And I think the fact that I kept showing up and listening and sitting through it and it was so unpleasant, (laughs) but it helped things shift. Once the communication for us was going back and forth in writing, we were able to have more conversations in the headspace. But here's the thing, and this is different for everyone, for whatever reason, I tend to not remember a lot of the conversations that we have. And that's a gatekeeper problem for sure. Conversation for a whole other day, a whole other episode. I definitely have a gatekeeper problem, but it's okay because it does not impact my functioning, but it does impact my ability to remember conversations that I have with different alters and parts. And so for some people, you can ask a part to become like a secretary or a record keeper And that works for many people. It has not worked for our system at all, at least not yet. But I still show up for those conversations. So the conversations that we have in the headspace sometimes when I'm driving or if I'm out walking, if I get to be the one in front, then I'm happy to engage in those conversations because the fact that I don't remember them afterwards is less important than the fact that I'm showing up and participating and building relationships with the other parts. I have to remember, right, I'm but one part of this whole system. And I think there is a point where I probably will remember more about those conversations, right? Just, I have to trust right now that there's a reason why I don't, and I'm trusting my system, which is a big piece in this whole communication, right? So it's a gatekeeper decision, it's not my decision, and it's okay, but I keep showing up. And realistically, it's okay because there is a part that has all of that information. And I'm sure if it's needed, it would be able to be pulled up, not by me, but by a part that would show up to handle whatever it is it needed to be handled related to whatever the conversation was. If you follow that, you're definitely a system. And I'm really proud of you for following that because it's hard for me to follow it. And I'm saying it. I want to tell you actually about a homework assignment that we had in therapy from our therapist who said to us, I want you to watch the movie Inside Out. I was literally like, are you kidding me? Like, remember, part of us is a therapist, and I can't even tell you how many people we must have had watch Inside Out or how many times that we've seen that movie. Not that 
I could have recounted any of it in the moment that she actually asked us to watch it. But I thought it was really funny that our own therapist was giving us the assignment to watch Inside Out when it's an assignment that we've given so many other people for different reasons, though. Okay, we watch Inside Out or I watch Inside Out and go back into therapy. And it was actually this really great explanation. So in the beginning of the movie, as you all remember, each of the emotions takes control of the control panel independently. So something triggers anger and he jumps in, like pushes everybody out of the way, takes control of the control panel. And that's usually in the movie, right? When like Riley gets really angry and like starts yelling or something triggers sadness. And all of a sudden she's dripping blue all over everything. And Joy, in the meantime, is feeling this pressure to always be the one in control of the control panel so that everything can look pretty and go well. And she's trying to push other people out of the way or something triggers disgust. Like if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what we're referencing right now. And then what our therapist pointed out was if you fast forward to the end of the movie, if you remember the end of the movie, rather than something being something triggering like anger, for example, and anger taking over and pushing everyone out of the way and having full control. At the end of the movie, they have a much larger control console and they are all working it together. They're all talking through things. They're all helping Riley together. And that is the goal of collaboration, cooperation, and the communication in a system, which, you know, is really, really beautiful. And getting to that point is absolutely phenomenal. I also don't think that it's a one and done kind of thing. With most people's communication, it can come and go. It can be stronger at some points than other points. And that can be highly dependent on what's going on in your life and in your environment. When things get really difficult or challenging, it's not uncommon for the system to go quiet. It's not uncommon to lose communication. It's really disconcerting too. It's also not uncommon to become more dissociative. That's really common. There can be times when things are going really smoothly and things go quiet. And a lot of times I feel like that's when many people go into the whole like, maybe I made all this up and I was just being creative and I'm not really, I'm not really a system. (laughs) But then they come back and you're like, oh yeah, no, I definitely am. Uh, That's where the denial file comes in handy too that we talked about in the last episode. Expect the unexpected. I mean, the system life is a bit of an adventure. It's different all of the time. I mean, whether you're fronting, not fronting, losing time, blendy, that Swiss cheesy stuff going on, even in those moments, like that's not when communication is going to be at its best. If you do have the written communication in a journal, it can be great because then you can go back over it. It's always interesting to read things or read conversations between parts that you don't remember or weren't privy to that you now are and that you have kind of a record of. There are also some other strategies that you can use if like this sort of, whatever this is, sort of six or seven step, seven, eight step process doesn't work well for you. Given the fact, for example, that conversations that are had, you know, sort of out when I'm walking or in the headspace or whatever are not things that I necessarily am able to recall. We definitely have played around with Otter AI app. And if you're not familiar with it, it is an app that was designed to record meetings and it's designed to be able to pick up voices of different people. So it'll say like speaker one or speaker two or whatever. 
if you have some overt parts in your system that have different speech patterns or different uh, tone, like different voices, Otter AI will actually pick it up. And that can be sort of helpful in differentiating parts and figuring out communication if you listen to it afterwards. At the same time, it is also time consuming. Most of this is time consuming. I just want to put that out there. This is a lot of work. So this is where the commitment and the dedication comes into. And it's, I think it's really normal to kind of go back and forth with it as well. Like where you put in time where I might be using something like Otter AI and other times where I'm like, yeah, no, I, there's 8 million things going on in life and that's not going to happen this week kind of thing. But it is something that has been really helpful for plenty of people. So I wanted to definitely make sure that we mentioned it. For people who also don't have a lot of uh, awareness of their parts or even awareness of switching and maybe have a lot of time loss, something that has helped clients that we've worked with and other systems that we know is to actually video record yourself just using your cell phone. Just set it up while you're doing something else and leave it on and encourage parts to record themselves and encourage parts to record messages for you. And you can leave that request in your journal. You can leave it on sticky notes in places that they can find until your communication is more cohesive and sort of more predictable. I hope that that was helpful in just kind of getting started. Those are the things that we wish that we had known earlier on. I think it would have made things a little bit easier if I had had like this, the more concrete steps of really focusing on not necessarily skill. I mean, yes, the skill building, of course, but the awareness piece, because it's so easy to be resistant to what's happening internally. And yet that is exactly where our power lies because it is in our internal experience that we heal. That's the crux of our healing. It's where healing takes place. We hope that this has been helpful. We know there have been a lot of different ideas that we presented that you can play around with to see what works for you. You may find that there are many things that don't work for you. You may find things that we didn't list that work really well for you. The biggest point is to not give up, to make sure you're always taking gentle care of yourself and to know that even though all of this is a lot of work, you are worth all the effort. And just in case you've forgotten and need a reminder, you are important and what happens to you matters. You are truly worth all the effort it takes in your healing. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Healing My Parts podcast. We hope you'll come back and join us for more episodes. If there are topics and things that you would like us to cover, please do Shoot us an email at healingmyparts at gmail.com. Feel free to DM us on Instagram at healingmyparts or comment on any of our blogs. We look forward to seeing you soon. And until then, take gentle care of yourselves and keep healing. Thank you for tuning in. You can find our blog on Substack at healingmyparts.substack.com and on Instagram at healingmyparts. Just a disclaimer. Any information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for professional therapy or behavioral health care, nor does listening to the podcast constitute a therapist-client relationship. Please be sure to take extra good care of you, and until next time, keep healing and thriving.